You know, stick with it. No, because I don't want to, and actually, you should stop. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, wow. Um, thank you all for tuning in, and welcome to Stush and Bush. Stush and Bush, yes. A Caribbean podcast on Caribbean happenings and overall mix up and blend blend with a queer twist. My name is Robert. And my name is Kadeem. Girl, we're about to give them some lived experiences, some academic resources, some language, some context, all for free. Bitch, they lucky. Mm-hmm, that's right. Sushan Bush is for the 15-year-old good girl Delroy, just come from Texas from the Caribbean. Delroy lonely. Delroy sad. Delroy needs his virtual community. Delroy need too much. But then also... <laughs> Stushan Bushes for good as a 28-year-old Dot Leisha, the first non-binary doctoral student, yes, PhD, all them things there, mm-hmm. uh, at some hoity-toity school that's struggling at the intersections of race, ethnicity, gender, and sexual orientation, both as they try to manifest their research and also how they're seeing that struggle in their life. Dalisha is going through it all. Um, but also, Sushan Bush is for us. Like We need our platform to vent because therapy alone sometimes won't do it. Um, therapy alone will not do it because therapy is expensive. It is for us as we navigate all of our identities and the people who keep trying them. Little do they know that we got receipts. Mm, oh and God. we got theories, y'all. Oh, God. Mm. What else we got? We got the hypothesis, <laughs> don't we? We got the citations and the references. Go off. Girl, we got the books, the articles, we got the archives, we got all of it. Coupled with our lived experiences, as we navigate living in the Caribbean diaspora, um, as somebody who grew up, one, in Jamaica, who grew up femme. Mm, and fat. Queer. And Caribbean. 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 Mm. <laughs> um, and we should probably tell them who we are a little bit. Um, I suppose. I mean, maybe a level of mystery is okay. But maybe they kind of need to know who we are. Maybe. Um, so, uh, have my full government. My name is Robert Wesley Anthony Taylor Jr. That's right. All five names. I'm a Bronxite. I'm Jamaican, Trinidadian, and a Caribbean black academic. All dumb things there. And my name is Kadeem. I am Jamaican. I'm a public servant for some random reason. I decided that I would call myself a public <laughs> servant. A writer, a delusional social media influencer, and I love when my hair is shaped like a heart. Jesus Christ, Kadeem. You know what? It's true, though. I think, I think that's a little bit of shade because I'm suffering from some severe shrinkage right now. But you know what, Kadeem? It's it, all right. It, it'd be like that, it's to be all right. honest. But you know what? That's too much you have going on there. I think it's like a little bush, you know? Speaking of Bush, mm. let's talk about Stush and Bush, what it is, and why we even came up with Stush and Bush. Like, where did that even come from? Oh, you mean how you slid into my DMs, both in my email and then in my Instagram? Yes, I did, because you weren't responding. So let's tell everybody. Mm-hmm. And that is how <laughs> Stush and Bush just came to pass, right? No, wait first. So what happened was... I found you on the internet, not Grinder or anything, wow. but just on the internet. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, this person is inventing Caribbean. I should have lunch with them. And we essentially just like got lunch together and somehow created this partnership, which involved Stush and Bush. 
Yeah. Somehow. I mean, like, good for you because you walked in wearing a cape. And I was also wearing a cave. And that's how I kind of knew that it was like it was going to be okay. Yes. And that I wasn't going to have to kill you because I thought you were trying to steal everything away from me. I low-key was, but I was trying to be respectful about it, to be honest. Um, so that's so how Slush and Bush happened. That is how that We both decided not to kill each other. Mm-hmm. And we both wore cave. Yeah, it was just kind of like, oh, I like you. And it's like, oh, I like you too. And then that's pretty mm. much it. <laughs> um, but... A lot of people who are probably going to be listening to this do not have any idea what stush or bush even means, which is probably why we should tell them, one, what it means, but also what does stush and bush mean in the context of us and this podcast, I think is super important. There's so much to unpack just on that one piece of, like, what is is stush? And as somebody who takes on the stush identity, I think I'll take some time <laughs> to explain to the people, them, uh, what stush is. Stush is someone who is pompous, classy, AF, and oftentimes made fun of in the Caribbean and definitely in the Caribbean diaspora mm-hmm. as wanting to be a part of the elite, even though they don't have too much money, but it's all right. Um, mm-hmm. And oftentimes pretending to, but will never actually be right there. Nonetheless, they're still out here acting as if they have this pretentious sophistication. <laughs> I promise you I'm not reading myself. Uh, but somehow in all of this context, there's someone who approaches academia through research and through data and through analysis. Because if you don't have the receipts, then what are you saying? They struggle with making all this information accessible and palpable, digestible, whatever it is you want to call it, to people who are not familiar with the queer and the ethnic theory surrounding all of this. And that is where I come in Mm -hmm. with my little bush girl personality, sort of. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, But, like, for me, Bush is the non-conformer. Bush is the person whose life exists outside the rigid confines of Caribbean and Caribbean diasporic norms. Um, and yeah, I think the per- I think a Bush person is somebody who's not married, have holy pa picnic, holy pa baby father, and that's okay, and is proud of it because she loved the whole our picnic them. Um, <laughs> a person whose mouth is not necessarily familiar with this whole idea of like code switching and mm-hmm. and respectability politics yes. and all these different things but instead no but at the same time knows how to demand a room by virtue of just being in that space and <laughs> in that context i feel like bush is like a people person um somebody who's able to relate on a personal level who's able to translate lived experiences um, honestly, I just think Bush is the hero mm. in all of this. So are you saying that another people person? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying stush people need, when if you have a conversation about how stush people interact with other people, period. But I, mean, I, I, I throw my currents and I feed no fall. You know what? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm going to let you keep that where it is because I know if I respond that I just fall into the trap. But what I also want to say is only a Bush person would know anything about feeding fowl and throwing con. So it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Guano. Okay, okay, you know what? Yes, you see me draw the Bush. All oh. right, uh, you did. You did. And you know what? That's fine. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a conversation okay. because if we're talking about Bush and Khan Afol and all these things, um, we should probably talk about how 
we relate to each of them a bit more. So, like, for me, I make the argument that, you know, I'm somewhat both, but also more on the stush version. Oh, okay. You want to cross over now. You expected Mm. a plot twist. Here's the plot twist, though. So, like, I grew up um, in Sanguinetti, Clarendon, Jamaica. Um, Sanguinetti was named after some Italian man. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, I moved... Well, after that, I moved uh, to sort of like a quote-unquote richer area two years before um, eventually coming to New York. And I think it's sort of like that struggle with coming to terms with like that identity of like growing up, like not necessarily having like the, be- the most money in the room to in Jamaica to somewhere sort of like elevating that a little bit um, where I sort of like had more access to funds and resources in Jamaica and then moving to the Bronx where I had a lot of access but also relatively I didn't and then moving to Brooklyn now where I have a lot of access Mm -hmm. and still sort of relatively I don't. Yeah. So I honestly feel like for me from an economic perspective, but also from just like access to resources and just sort of like how um, traveling and like migration has impacted on on my identities. I make the argument that I'm both, but I'm actually, I'm gonna gonna switch my argument and say I'm more inclined to say I'm I'm Bush. I'm more inclined to say I'm Bush. Interesting. (laughs) I'm sort of reading into all of this a little bit about what it means to be queer, Caribbean, and then to migrate. Mm-hmm. and what impact that might have on the Caribbean body. But then I also am reading into this, too, that, like, you started in the Bronx and then sinned against the Bronx by moving to <laughs> Brooklyn. And it also sounds like you had a lot more access to a lot of things, including your soul, in the Bronx. And having moved over to Brooklyn, you lost a piece of your soul. Is that true? It is not true. In Are you fact, sure? It is so, so not true. So what's interesting is Kadeem revealed to me a few weeks ago that they think that the Bronx is actually better and wants to move back to the Bronx. Is that true, Kadeem? It is not true. Okay. How dare you? You know what? We'll just save the Borough Wars for a different episode. <laughs> but I want to talk a little bit about myself. So I identify as a Afro-Caribbean black academic, and I really just feel that growing up in the Wakefield section of the Bronx, the best borough out there. Trash. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Has given me access to just this cultural route where pieces of Jamaica find themselves in Wakefield. Everyone is Jamaican and everyone is a nurse, but that's different, right? (laughs) I'm connected to pieces of Jamaica even though having not grown up there. And it's something that's beautiful about that transnational community that is built in places like Wakefield in the Bronx and in places like the South Bronx and then also in, you know, Utica and in Crown Heights in sections of Brooklyn. Like, the Caribbean manifests itself in places where Caribbean people migrate. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it gives us something that I would call maybe like an immigrant enclave, and that somehow all of this begins to inform my life because there's this thing about being queer and Caribbean and using the environment around you that also influences how you understand yourself. What I'm reading is, 
Mm. Growing up in these immigrant enclaves, as you say, um, however, an immigrant enclave in the confines of New York City, an urban area, are you are you therefore saying that you growing up in sort of like a Jama- a little Jamaica, but in New York, makes you stush ish? It makes me stush. Period. Mm-mm, please, please expound. I, I don't need to. <laughs> I don't need to. And actually, I'm tired of having this conversation. So I can either go or we can move on. What do you want to do? Let's move on. Okay. Great. Because somebody's being a little um, a little lover. You're right. That I You're love right. So much. Don't squeeze me on. <laughs> okay. But you know what? We're just gonna let y'all decide who is stush and who is bush. Write in and make we know, right? Exactly. But since you, Kadeem, grew up in the bush, (laughs) you must have some bush tail, not true? I'm sorry, bush tail? Bush tail. Bush bush tail, what is what is that? Yeah, bush tail, you know. Bush tail. The proverbs then Kadeem. Oh, 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 proverbs. Okay. I know the word proverbs and I know the word adage. I don't know if I've heard bushtail exactly. I believe it is adage. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> but if if bushtail is actually the word, then I am uh, ashamed. Um, but actually, yeah, I, I think I would love, I think a very good way to introduce our Caribbean selves is talking about proverbs and maybe a little bit of superstitions about like and how those have informed us growing up particularly as like a caribbean person but even how that seeps into my queer identity so we're gonna talk about five proverbs yes each i'm so excited <laughs> that um have some profound effect on us um and why and why and why because they're burned into our psyche Pretty much. Okay. Um, But I think for me, it's also sort of like defining, like, why, like, we know proverbs exist, but, like, what have been their purpose overall? Yeah. Like, what has been been the role of proverbs um, in just sort of, like, the span of this, like, world, Uh, particularly as it relates to, like, our Caribbean identities? Right. It feels like proverbs are some sort of intergenerational something. And maybe when we share our proverbs, we'll just get to like what we think we mean mm-hmm. when we're thinking about this intergenerational, uh, <laughs> intergenerational, intergenerational something mm-hmm. at the end. Sure. Maybe we just have to arrive. I, I, I agree, because I think, I think there's a lot to think about. I mean, and when we talk about intergenerational, uh, I mean... My favorite, like, proverb in the world, which is, like, I'm going to say my first one is, like, I know the first time leaf Japanawatai rotten. What <laughs> does that mean? It it literally translates to, it's not on the first day that when a leaf falls into the water, it rots. Mm. And the meaning, I, I'll tell you all the story before I tell you the meaning of it. But basically, I was having a conversation with my grandfather a few months ago. And I was saying, like, oh, Grandpa, like, nothing is wrong with smoking marijuana. Because like, we I think it was in the news about, like, how New York was trying to decriminalize or um, legalize marijuana. Um, so I said, and then I think he was commenting on it. I said to him, like, oh, Grandpa, but not no wrong with it. Like, it's perfectly fine, whatever, whatever. And then he says, like, do you know what weed has done in your family? What weed has done to your family? I was like, yeah, but I don't think 
that a lot like dire things have happened and I don't think dire things would happen to me should I ever engage in the devil's lettuce. Should you ever. <laughs> should I ever. Oregano. <laughs> and he was just like, well, and on the first day I leave dropping a water rotten. And then that literally like slapped me in the face because he was using a proverb as some argument against why I should be very wary of um, smoking um, and weed. And that's what the, and the meaning of it essentially is like, you may not see the effects of something on the first day or immediately, but the 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 effects can happen over time. Yeah. And once he said that, like it really messed with my head a lot <laughs> because I was just like, I genuinely do not have a counter argument to this proverb, and this man has shut me up with a proverb, and mm. this man has bolstered his argument with a proverb, and. Like, I'm pretty sure if we do that scientific research, we'll see whatever long-term effects of, like, consecutive use of marijuana is. And, th- but, like, this man didn't need science. He was just like, okay, I'm just going to give you this little proverb to educate your ass. But and- you know what? <laughs> what if we reframe that? What mm. if we say that there's something powerful about dropping in water? What if we say that there's something about being consumed totally by something larger than you? What if what? the water is connected to something larger and you are just a part of a larger construct? Damn, you're thinking all meta and shit. I am. Wow. I'm I here am. For it. I'm here for it. I don't have a response to it, but I'm here for it. Mm, mm, <laughs> yes. Chew on it. To what? I, I shall. <laughs> but you know what? Sharing that piece from your grandfather is making me think of a proverb that my grandmother always tells me ever so often. My grandmother, on my Jamaican side, is a very spiritual woman, and any time I call her, it's just like, she knows what's going on before I even open my mouth to say anything about it. So I think maybe like five different times I've been on the phone with her, and she said, you know, if you want to make good, you know it's after run. And I'm like, what the hell does this mean? I'm confused. And I'd walk away, and I'm like, what it like what? I don't get it. And mm-hmm. then I'd go back to her and I'm like, Can you explain? And she's like, No, I'm not going to, because if you want to make good you know stuff everyone, I'm like, What do you mean? <laughs> so I think every time I am in a moment of hardship, I always return to that proverb and I ask myself, the fuck does it mean for my nose having to run? Why is my nose running? And then I remember that like when you're giving like that real ugly cry <laughs> and you're like just pouring water out of your nose and you're pouring water out of your ears and your eyes and everything. Your ears. Yeah, your ears. Oh, I, I said ugly cry, okay? It gets buck out here. Not 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 knocking you down. Okay. Because <laughs> I bottle things up, but I'm a Sagittarius, so that's a different conversation. <laughs> but every time I'm sitting there in hardship and I go, okay, wow, my nose is running. But from that pressure, from that release, I'm in a better place. Mm. Mm. Right? Interesting. It almost feels like Proverbs are like generational wisdom. Oh, yes. That they're planting in us. A seed that just needs constant watering. Yeah. Mm. It's like, how do you sort of like teach a youngin um, all these different lessons in like these short sentences that they that will sort of always stay in the recesses of their mind, quite frankly, because Ugh. I know so many proverbs in my head that I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. but like, how do you actively have them think about that as they move through the world? I think is a very 
interesting thing that people do in mm. our in our community without even realizing. Yeah, and you know, the interesting piece about that too is that I feel like there's another proverb <laughs> that comes from Barbados, our Bayesian friends them. Um, <laughs> and it's almost the reverse of like that pressure piece getting you to like a you like a, a like a better footing in society. This one is Crow does fly high, but when it come down, the ants does still eat our yai. Right? What the hell is this? I don't really know. But the internet tells me <laughs> that... Did you Google this one? I had to. I'm not Bayesian, darling. While you do do have to struggle, the cockiness that you leave with does not preclude you from being brought low. You see how that mighty does drop? First of all, that that translation was, was something. Mm, it was, was up it? there. It was stush. It was so right. stush. <laughs> it was stush. Like, oh my god! Mm. You know what they have been saying? That's a bush words. Anyway, menana All right. <laughs> all right. Um, but I think like that sort of theme plays into my second proverb, which I'm super interested in 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 sharing with the world. Obviously, is like before me tongue before me tumble dong maka. And that's a very interesting one that, like, I read I read it, um, but, like, when I heard it and when I read it, it was just kind of like something that I had heard as a child but never processed. And it's kind of like this idea of before I hit the last hit, I am going to uh, do it all. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to whatever. It doesn't matter what. I'm going to sort of like whatever. And it speaks to this theme of like perseverance and all these good up, good up, good up things <laughs> that I think for us plays, I think for me, essentially is like a very interesting lesson, which is like, boy, you better do it. You better like freaking go out in the... I, I don't know if I, like, give the exact interpretation, but it's like, before I roll over <laughs> and die... <laughs> before I give my last breath... I will grab on mm. to the last tree. Mm -hmm. The yes. maca tree. The last track in your scalp. The last dege dege one. Mm. Mm -hmm. That will probably pierce my hand and hurt me in the process of me clinging on to dear life. But nonetheless, I am still clinging on to dear life. And you thought I was stush. Okay. I I don't think that one was like an over interpretation. I think you were doing a lot. <laughs> I was doing a lot. Okay. <laughs> but um, but um, it's a, I think it's a thing that's very I think for me that that one is very interesting. Another one that's interesting to me also from Barbados, and I also think this is very similar to um, one we have in Jamaica as well is uh, um, every skin teeth ain't a laugh. Mm. Um, and everybody will smile up in their face, mean well. Yeah. Not everyone who's uh, um, sort of like courteous and respectful towards mm -hmm. you, mean well. And I think that's a very interesting, <laughs> cynical proverb. I mean, it's true, because people two face, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But like, I guess it's always interesting to see, uh, to understand how like cynicism exists. Mm. Um, and like, when whomever made this proverb, 
who them did that drop word for? I would love to know the history of Actual like stone. who mm. who was throwing these stones, who was throwing these corns and feeding no fall, <laughs> who was doing it? You know, um, it, I think it's I think that's what it's like one of like literally my favorite one because I feel like I'm just thinking to myself somebody literally sat down and said and think of somebody who was a hypocrite essentially, right? <laughs> and, Said under every uh, every skin teeth ain't a laugh, I, and I think I think that's interesting, and I love it. If we almost set the scene, it's like some granny somewhere on a veranda, deep deep in the bush in Jamaica, just said, "You know what? Barbados, Barbados, mm-hmm. everything comes from Jamaica." But it's all right. <gasps> Ooh, you're gonna get some people mad. It's okay. It's okay. You can find me on Instagram at the underscore bishop twelve twenty one. You can find me in my inbox, but it's all right. <laughs> oh, so. Oh boy. One that I always just think is just like so amusing is Puss Belly Full and him Tink say Rat Batty Stink. Jesus Christ. What? What? Just what? Like, what does that what? even mean? Puss, I don't get that one. Puss Belly Full and him say Rat Batty Stink. All right, follow me now. Puss, the cat. The cat. Does name rat. Yes, the cat eats the rat. The the cat eats the rat, and then he's full. Uh But the same puss is now full, and him thinks say, rat butty stink. What happens when people are, you know, out here eating these rats, and then all of a sudden they're full, they're contented, and they're, "Mm mm-mm, I don't want that, it butty stink. Interesting. Interesting. Here's what where, I'm bringing. Which this. country did that one come from? Where do you think it come from? Jamaica. It come from Jamaica, not true, it right? Did. Jesus. You know, our people, <laughs> they need help sometimes. <laughs> Pray for Jamaica. What I'm like ultimately walking away from this is, is like, just because you are contented does not mean the things that got you to be content are no longer useful to you. Just because it was okay for you to struggle this way for a few days and then all of a sudden the pay period hit you like, mm, steak dinner all the time. Sis, you don't have steak dinner money, okay? All the Sometimes time. the bully beef is all you can have and bully beef is steak dinner because bully beef expensive, you know? Yeah, that's actually a really expensive, like that was a commodity. It was like, a commodity, okay. Growing up. Sorry, chicken back is also good. Okay, that wasn't a commodity. I had, exactly. I had access to right. chicken back or whatever. Um, <laughs> that's such a bigger interesting one. I, I um, like this one, and I know we said five, but I'm gonna do four. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Because the one uh, for me, I just it, mm. and I, this is the one that I try my best to live by. When trouble tech man, pick me boot fit him. Mm. When a man and let's expand it. When anyone, anyone period, yes. um, mm-hmm. when anyone has experienced hard times, trials, and tribulations, their efforts to alleviate these trials and tribulations become so expansive that what was previously seemingly impossible is no possible. That's so up there. <laughs> it's so extra. It is so um, extra. But essentially, it's whenever somebody goes through things, the impossible seems possible. And I think I love that so much because like, I've just been in these moments where like, may I think, say, oh God, what is the solution to this? Oh my gosh, I can't do this, I can't do that. Um, but then 
like one thing that I would think is previously like impossible to do or whatever becomes like, okay, my back is against the wall. Mm. I need to produce something. I need to do something that essentially I wouldn't have the capacity to do before. And I think a lot of the times I force and challenge myself in all of these different ways where, um, and it could be very small things like learning a new skill or very large things like traveling to a different country and not knowing anything or anyone or any language. Um, but sort of like living and thriving through that. So yeah, that's I think that's like legit my favorite proverb. When trouble take man, pick me boot fit him. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Since you did not want to do a fifth one because you're rebellious and how rude and wily like bush people. Mm-hmm. My favorite one of all time is Fire There Must Must Tail, but him thinks he a cool breeze. I What? Yeah. Who's Must Must? Must Must is the cow, sis. For real? Yes, Must Must is cow. Oh, I actually, right. I'm not going to lie, so, I didn't know that. Mm, well, n- now you know. <laughs> I'm learning so A much. nugget bought to you by Robert. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's essentially saying... That there is a fire literally under your ass, and you think it's a cool breeze. Sometimes you just don't know that shit's about to pop off until it pops off, and it's too late. That reminds me of the meme, of a meme, honestly. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. You know the meme where the dog is drinking fire. Coffee? Yes, and, and the fire is like, everything is okay. <laughs> yes. I, I, I like that one. I think, I think that's a pretty good one. So if we're going to, like close off this section on Proverbs, uh-huh. I think, like, I just want to offer a reflection on, like, where I'm seeing what, like, Proverbs mean to us as Caribbeans. I'm seeing Proverbs as this intergenerational passage or portrayal of evidence that was collected over the years mm. that has been succinctly distilled to fit the needs of any given situation by illuminating that issue... And then also presenting it back to you, regurgitating it to you in an effort to make everything that you're going through make sense. It's almost like your grandfather. That intergenerational moment where he was like, I see what's going on and I'm going to give it to you right now. And you're like, mm, well, you know what? Shit, I'm stunned. Right, right. That's a proverb, girl. So essentially, proverbs are just tea. It's Proverbs tea. are tea. It's intergenerational tea. Mm. Honestly, like, it's just like, here's a tea girl, that and here's Lipton. a lesson. That good Lipton tea, the little bush tea, <laughs> the little peppermint, <laughs> it's the little orange leaf. Oh my God, I love orange leaf tea. Anyway, that's aside. Um, but essentially, like, that's what it is. Mm. It's, it's, it's all these different lessons that have been passed down that inform how we live and move through the world. Um, yeah. And you know what? Now that we're done with Proverbs, I almost feel in my spirit that we should talk about superstitions because there were so many times where I was like, well, what about this? And what about that? And I'm like, oh, those aren't Proverbs. They're just superstitions. Right. I am heavily attached to superstitions, but I will say superstitions for me, I'm obsessed with it as it relates to death. Girl, you need to unpack that. I do, but... Not now, because I want to talk about the superstitions that I love that are mm. related to death and birth and pregnancy. Mm. I, I, I'll give you a little bit of that. It sounds like you just want to be an ancestor. I do. Mm. Not yet. I, I, what I will think is I'm going to be an amazing ancestor mm. mm-hmm. when that time comes. After you graduate Mecca. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. For Mitombo Dong, exactly. <laughs> you just you just get me. I get you. Oh. I'm here with you Jesus. in space and time. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean superstitions. I, I, I think I think superstitions are very interesting like beliefs, um, and how like oftentimes just rooted in like very interesting like histories, oftentimes rooted in like folklore, uh, particularly uh, in Jamaica. Um, so one of my favorite superstitions that I remember um, learning about when I when I was in high school is like um, when when a family member dies, you have to rearrange the room mm. so that like when they enter, they don't remember the home and they don't stay, and that they're more likely to move on to the different world. Mm. That was like. For some reason, it really was it for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's funny though is that I have something similar related to the death and not mm-hmm. rearranging your yeah. house, but if you pour a line of sand at the entrance of your door, apparently spirits can't pass sand. You were told sand. I was told rice mm. because like they have to like individually pick up the rice and count it. And by the time that happens, uh, morning comes and they can't be in the light. Well, how much rice do you have to pour on the floor then? It's quite a bit. Or of rice. spirit. I can. mean, like rice is a lot, mm. but I don't. I don't feel like one pound of rice would have, would have be sufficient. You know. But I think it's the same thing with salt. Salt is also never, sorry, sand. Sand is also never ending. Like, how do you pick up a grain of sand and right. count it? By the time that ham demand and come. It's more efficient to pour sand. You heard it here first. <laughs> Stop the rice business and just use sand. I'm going to stick to my rice business. All right. All right. I'm going to stick to my rice okay. business. Okay. So um, you're rearranging your house. But you know what's interesting? Mm-hmm. If the deputy can, you know, enter your house and say, oh, well, this isn't my house. You also don't know it's your house, too, you know. Because you have that muscle memory, you know when it's dark at night and you just want to go to the bathroom and you say, oh, okay, let me just curve here and turn here and, and move body over here. So I think what happens I when will... you move your coffee table and you just mess up yourself, you see? I think I'll live. Okay. One, right. I don't think I will go off to the far plains. Okay. Um, I will be okay. Will you? I really do. All right. But my other one that mm. I'm really obsessed with... Um, I'm sorry, I'm just like taking up all of the death ones. Um, uh, but this one is like just super common. It's, it's like if you dream and you see a family member who's dead, make note of any number that they tell you so that you can play that number in the lotto because they're like giving you advice. Mm. And that one is my favorite because I'll just remember stories of like my mother or my grandmother. Um, just tell me like, oh, I, 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 my dream say, my dream say Uncle Isaac or Uncle this or Uncle that. And like, you need something for pay the number. Yeah? And <laughs> it's like, my, like, they would like go out and play the lotto. And I'm like, um, you haven't won yet. But you know what? I love it because like, why not? Mm. <laughs> I mean, like, why not constantly receive any lesson from our ancestors? Right. Whether it's dreams, whether it's through, whether it's to get to win the lotto, honestly, if somebody can just come and give me a little number right now, somebody can win the lotto with an R, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, that, that's why I love that one. It's For me, it's like a direct communication between us and our ancestors. And it's like these superstitions essentially serve as this, like, not just like these beliefs that that 
to other people seem outlandish, but in some ways it serves as that connection to our ancestors, and this is how they communicate with us, even if it's real, even if it's not real, which, you know, me, I am really big on ancestral worship. So, like, I think I think that's why I love it so much, is that the connectedness to yeah. um, our people. It almost feels as if Caribbean people have such an interesting and deeply rooted relationship with dreams and what that might have to say about how... Uh, the human psyche works mm. and then also how the Caribbean psyche works because what's really going on there like is dreaming not just a manifestation of like how we work through what's going on in our like lives mm. and the things that are like too hard to work through uh, sort of like while we're awake and walking around and like we go to sleep and mm-hmm. we use that time to just sort of like sort through things I think mm. that I'm thinking about but you know what the dream piece that I always remember is if you dream that somebody is in a lake, then they're pregnant. And Uh. then all of a sudden you get all these random phone calls (laughs) from the Caribbean talking about Shirley, you're pregnant. Stop. Yeah, and, oh my and gosh. Shirley, pregnant for two, you know. Yes. Every but it never worked for me because then I started putting people in the lake, and I'm like, oh shit, that's not how this works, right? Yeah, I don't think that's how it. And then when you dream a wedding is actually death, and when you dream death is a wedding, so you're just shook and confused because things just don't make sense. Y- you know, I I have a problem with. I've dreamed of a lot of deaths mm. in my life. And How many wedding invitations have you received, girl? None. Mm? Not a backside, right. not one. And you know what, me not, me not bakes. Kind of disappointed, but me not bakes. <laughs> but I think what's super interesting about the lake one is like, once again, y'all know me, I'm obsessed with superstitions and mm. birth and pregnancy. I know a lot of birth and pregnancy ones. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and it also ties into like death. So I remember, I remember my mother telling me, when um, she was pregnant with one of my siblings, um, she went to a funeral, which is a big no-no. You're not supposed to go to a funeral mm. while you're pregnant. So I, I don't know what my mom was doing, but she was like, I was, she was just like, I was kind of experimenting with the superstition, but not really. I was like, Mom, okay, girl, Mom, I don't know if that's it. Now I don't know if that's why. Um, but she, but not, like, she didn't really say it like that. But she was definitely like, kind of like. Um, so the superstition is, don't like you're not supposed to go to a funeral, but you're definitely not supposed to look at the dead body. Mm. Um, do not look at the corpse when you're while pregnant. you're while when you're pregnant mm. because mm-hmm. the child will be stillborn. And um, <laughs> what's a very interesting thing about that is that my mom was just like, "Me didn't want to look pan him, so me go look pan him." <laughs> my mom was like, "I wanted to look at him, so I am going to look at him." And my mom was just like, "I even touched the dead body, she was and I was like much. touching his face, and nothing happened. I was my beautiful baby boy was born. It wasn't me, y'all. It was my sibling." Um, <laughs> are you saying there's still time? <laughs> Shut up. What are you <laughs> saying, Kadeem? I'm saying a lot of things. Okay, girl. But what's interesting is. Um, uh, that like she she like it's this it's this daring that she had this kind of like oh I know that superstition is this and I do take it seriously by virtue of her experimenting it means that like she did see some validity in the super, validity in the superstition mm. um and still was just like but you know what I'm just gonna experiment I mean what do I have to lose yeah <laughs> yeah I was like mom don't play with don't play like that again that, it that, almost makes me question where like. Are we able to like ever track down where these things came from? Um, 
Because, mm. like, is that superstition barring people from, like, living their lives? <laughs> like, are superstitions, much like Proverbs, a way of policing action? Ooh. Right? Like, who told you, like, because you're pregnant, you're going to stop yourself? Like, what happens if this person was near and dear to you all of a sudden because you're pregnant, you're, like, you're, like, you're not allowed to mourn them? Is not mourning somebody while pregnant that much more detrimental than not being able to mourn them in person? Yeah. I have questions. I also have a lot of I'm questions. I'm not here for this policing. I'm I'm not I'm I'm not gonna say I'm not here for it because one I think it's hilarious, but two, <laughs> I also wonder like who has in their past as a pregnant person yeah. said I'm not going to go to this funeral because I'm pregnant. It also like, yes, there's policing, but is it to that extent where people genuinely are going to be like, Okay, no, I must not see this mm. course or any course. I'm just like wondering, though it's policing, is it like truly enforced? Is it internally mm. enforced when we do these things, you know? Yeah, and if we want to take it there, like playing devil's advocate almost, let's not pretend that like mortality rates for black women Ooh. while giving birth is extremely high. Right, so like if we're thinking about how a superstition and even a proverb can be used to sort of like police action because it could, somehow it's coming from a place of care, might that not have just been a connection that was made historically? We're like, you went there. I, I, I did. I went there. Superstitions are far ahead of technology and science. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> um, uh, wow, that's let's very, just chew on that. Let's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chew on what, though? Jerk pork? Sh- uh, stop. Okay. I would love some. I'm a little hungry. I am. Maybe we should wrap this up. We should. Okay. Oh, my God. Let's get some <laughs> jerk pork. I'm so excited. And some tingmosas. You know what? What's a tingmosa, Kadeem? A tingmosa is a mimosa, but you do not use orange juice. You use a popular Jamaican drink called ting. Ting mm. mosa. What flavor of ting, Kadeem? Grapefruit. Grapefruit it's the only. only. Pro- yeah, like mm. they only do grapefruit. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel exposed. Yeah, it's only grapefruit. How but there's dare pink you grapefruit as well. Grapefruit. Not all grapefruit pink? Oh, wow. Touche. Um, right. <laughs> so we're just exposing each other. We are. No, but no, there's there has to be like a species of like grapefruit that when you I don't know. We're gonna have to figure this out. You know what? Until I the, think it's time for us to stick a pin. Stick a pin. Mm. With that in mind, we want to just go over the fact that we went through very heavy conversations about proverbs and superstitions. Yeah. And uh, superstitions, um, as as I've argued, essentially serve as a pathway to our fantasies, to African religions, to our way of life. Um, superstitions connect us. Um, it's our ancestors' way of teaching us. It's the way that we are connected to. Because I also think, and I and I know I'm adding more stuff. Um, we need to, t- if at some point, talk about the correlation between superstitions and folklore. Mm. Um, Kumina and all these different like um, Afri- historically like um, religions that we've taken on in different um, countries. Whether it's called um, uh, Kumina, Voodoo, Obia, Santerea, all these different things, mm. these are oftentimes steeped in 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 various topics, right? Superstitions, that is. And it, it, it helps us to prevent violence, to attain love, to prepare for and interact with the dead. Um, superstitions are the ways in which we communicate and interact with the unknown, the supernatural. Um, and it's the ways in which we interfere 
um, in their way of life in a way that oftentimes appeases them and them being our ancestors and spirits protects us or maintains the balance between this world and theirs. Um, That's as it relates to death anyway, because you know me, death Um, and superstitions, which one day I will unpack. That's so deep. But it sounds like we need to have like a spiritual, ritualistic sort of like conversation, but like also concretize it. Like, (laughs) Make that be connected to history because, like, that for me reads as histories of slavery and conquest. Mm. And that, like, how did we get Kumina? How did we get Ovia? How did we get Santeria? I have these questions, mm-hmm. right? Like, how did we get there? Mm. And you know what? That series of questions is something for Niam. Wow. That's your food for thought for the next week. How did we get the things that we just spoke of? How did we get it? Where did it come from? I don't know. Who bought it? But you know what? what? Happened? I think we're going to have to ask these questions next week. Thank you all for tuning into Stush and Bush. Stush and Bush, y'all. Uh, you can follow us at Stush and Bush. No D. No D. No Never D. a D. We don't do D. We here. don't do D. No, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also follow our personal accounts. My name is Kadeem, K H A D I E M E. And I am on Instagram and on Twitter, apparently, at the underscore Bishop 1221. Follow us on social media. Give us your thoughts. Yeah. And talk to us all the time. Yes, because we have nothing to do. Well, I have things to do. We do not have jobs. Speak for yourself. We are unemployed. We're both currently employed. (laughs) But if you want to employ us... Visit us at Caribbean.com, period. And launch that inquiry, girl, because we need these honorariums. Period. And that's it. And that's it. Thank you for tuning in. Until next week, y'all. Bye. How many times are we going to say bye? I don't know. It's almost like the auntie goodbye, the seven stages of saying goodbye. (laughs) We're in stage five. Okay. (laughs) Now we're at the doorstep. And we're talking again. Yes. Okay. Only look man with all that song. Right. And they're gonna say I'm gonna look for you. Okay. And you're saying sick. Right. You know. And you know what, Miss Mary, sick too. You know. (gasps) Yes. All right. Stage six. We're at the car now. (laughs) Final hugs. You know what, sister? Me gonna see you next week. All right. Later. Later, girl. All right. All right. Bye. We're really done now. Done. All right. Stage seven. I call you when me reach home. <laughs> you know, so me leave my glasses on the table. I'm coming back right now. You hear? We're done. You sure? Yes. Okay. All right. I think we're actually done this time. Bye. Period. <laughs> <laughs>